Good morning. I truly counted the privilege to be here with you again. Last time my family and I were here was four years ago. And uh, today I'm here with my wife without the kids. And we are are being hosted by our friends, Matthew and Janice, who have become very dear to us in these past few years. And I'm very thankful for you as a church uh, because we are connected and we are partners in the mission that Christ has for us as his church in this world to be his hands and his feet and when the people submit their lives to Christ and truly proclaim him that Jesus is Lord, as we, you heard Joel and I listened to his message, that Jesus is Lord, then the body of Christ has hands and feet. If we are not able to do so, living in self-preservation, we are not as effective but the love of God cannot be bottled up. It, it reaches people. And what a privilege it is when we are able to participate together with him. Um, truly God has set us up on a path to make us more like Christ. We all grew up uh, living the wrong versions of ourselves. Our parents, perhaps, or our friends saw us one way and not necessarily the same way that God sees us. And Paul says here that he labors hard and he works hard to bring every believer to maturity, to bring to the best version that Christ has for us. Christ in us is the great mystery, and wherever we are in the world, you have been chosen and called and given his spirit so that you and I, we would become the best version of ourselves. That's a wonderful journey. But often to get to that place, we need to be the people that will submit our life, our time, our possessions into his hands. We cannot afford for our own sake to resist the Holy Spirit who so gently invites us to know the Father and to know his love. I'm very thankful for the friendship that started with Matthew who felt the call to come to Lithuania first to teach at the university, but then we got connected and we served the church. And that's how we got to know many of you here, North Park. And last year when the war um, broke out, we could be partners uh, in a different level by you praying for us, sending the money. I want to share a few stories so that you could sort of see how the church works around the world. Uh, I grew up in Soviet Union, and uh, when I was little, we would have Russian tanks on the streets 
Today I live in Lithuania, that is a sovereign country, independent part of EU, part of NATO. We have Abrams tanks now. Um, Euro is the fourth currency in my lifetime. Many things have changed. From full oppression, a visible enemy, who was a communist government, atheist in nature, persecuting the church and faith, to then the times of revival in the early 90s when many people came to faith by simply experiencing Christ, not necessarily through some organized church programs, but just the Holy Spirit touching people in all kinds of ways. And then Lithuania progressively got better and better economically. We were growing, we became very affluent, and it seems like there's less and less of a need for God in our life. We have probably similar challenges like you do. Um, you could wake up in the morning and ask, do I need God today? And there's good health care, there's good education, there's great jobs. I can eat anything for breakfast and go wherever I want and probably go on vacation. And yet we all have a certain extent of suffering that surrounds us. Sometimes it's a breakup of the family, sometimes it's illness, sometimes yeah, mental illness in our family, in our own lives. There's so many different ways that there's suffering around us. And Paul says, I'm in prison, I'm writing to you, and I'm suffering on behalf of you all. And somehow fulfilling some of these what is needed for the church. He is so set in his way to serve the church so the church could experience that mystery, Christ in us. And suffering and a mission field is everywhere around you. I want to say a few words about the war in Ukraine and how we serve together. But I want you to also know that mission is not out there and some horrible things is not just there. We all live in a world that is broken, and as a church, as his people, we have multiple opportunities to be the hands of God and to experience that adventure with him. But last February, when the war started, we kind of knew it's coming. Lithuania is so close, and we kind of mentally were prepared. Um, but it's still surreal for us. The stories I heard from grandparents of the Second World War and so many, one-third of Lithuania was deported, killed during Second World War and to see that with your own eyes or to have conversations with your family to say that you should go and be safe and I'll stay here and we'll serve in the church, serve the people, it's a little surreal, right? That's, that's not something that you imagine will happen. But when the first refugees came, these were the people that were just like us. I want you to see some pictures. So here is a picture of Marina, the first one who came. She's a designer, has her own company. She teaches art online to Ukrainian children that live in the United States of America. So one day, and she was just a designer with her company and her family, and then the cruise missiles were exploding outside her window. Her husband packed the bag and sent her off with her son, Yarek, a little boy. 
they're the first ones that I met. These are just ordinary people. Or one day, they were somebody, the next day, they were faceless refugees. And it's, it was our intention from the beginning make them feel like human beings who are precious in the eyes of God. They're not just refugees. But for many of them, like for her, it took four days to get out. And she said, until I got to Warsaw and I slept on some smelly mattress with hundreds of people in some school sports hall, I could not believe this is really happening. And along the way, when they were traveling, different people from different parts of Ukraine fleeing the war, going through Romania, Poland, it was churches everywhere, Christians everywhere, at night, in the morning, daytime, making sandwiches, greeting them, taking them in for just one night, everywhere. President Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, that 80% of all the humanitarian work in Ukraine was done by churches and is done by churches. And the war is not over. There's still about 800 men that die every day on both sides, Russian and Ukrainian side. That means hundreds and hundreds of boys and girls become orphans or lose their fathers, wives lose husbands, and moms lose their sons. There's still full mobilization in Ukraine. If you're 18 to 60, you cannot leave the country. So when it's less on the news, it's still there. The rapes, the horrendous crimes, war crimes are being committed. So when these first people came, we just knew that we need to do something as a church. There's a picture of a family in Nasta lived with us, many families opened up homes. So when our church guest homes got filled, this was a, a birthday. Uh, and Nastya is the very tough one there. She cuts Matthew's beard when he lives in Lithuania. She's a hairdresser, we found her a job, but she lived with us for three months. And again, just like she came, her father refused to leave his home because he's been saving for power saw all his life. And he knew that he couldn't be let out through the border with, with his power. So he said, you go. Because of the rape, uh, he, he pushed her out and he stayed with his wife. Um, they, the more modern toilet that he was building, like an outhouse with the running water that he built, was, was blown away by a bomb. And I mean, he still refused to leave. Later on, I can, he... Um, he joined his daughter and came to, to Klaipeda to our city with his wife who got sick and we just had her funeral uh, a month ago. But many people just started opening homes. We were realizing that if Ukraine falls, then the Baltic states, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia will be next. And we know we're part of NATO, there's Article 5, the, the Allies will come and defend, but then before they'll get there, most of the cities will might be turned into rubble. So for us, it's a different urgency. But I think for many, it was also the love of God, like the church is broken. I guess people, I think we have compassion when we see suffering and we respond. And people of God especially, we just feel like, 
Christ has been so good to us. He has given us eternal life. He has taken the fear of death. And that makes a whole lot of difference when you go and serve somewhere. As a church, we have a for-profit company where 100% of the profit is given to support work with orphans and, and people with disability. We decided that our homes are getting filled, our church guest home is filled. We decided to um, rent a hotel, uh, like a closed-down hotel, and we wanted to take orphans. We thought this is kind of close for us, like we think of children. In the first weeks, we started arranging to, for 60 orphans to be brought into Lithuania. And, and, um, but then the first two weeks, about 5,000 children were, were abducted and, and, and stolen, taken out of the country for organs and for sex trade. And, and Ukrainian government shut down the borders, so we couldn't get the kids. Then we got into vans, we went to the borders uh, with some guys and traveled uh, and um, picked up random people that uh, stopped at the seminary in Lviv and we made arrangements that those people that come through them, they would have 200 people in the seminary coming through every day. And uh, so we got some of them and brought them to this hotel and we had no money. That's where you come in. I just, I wrote to Matthew I wrote a few other friends, and I think in one month or so, we got over 400,000 euros uh, donated by different churches, and I think your church gave about 50,000 or so, and I'm deeply thankful. That's how we are apart. When the leadership of the church says they're suffering, they're, our brothers and sisters were the same, we don't have the same church name, but our hearts are connected, we are connected to the head, Jesus Christ. When you give the money, we can arrange, we make these arrangements, but it feels like if I had to do fundraising for some other purpose, I don't think it would have happened. It just felt like God is everywhere, touching the hearts. The money came in and we could take 60 people into this hotel. The oldest one was 91 years old. When we brought her, we had to you know, 24 hours in a van, carrying her out of the van, you know, to the gas station and um, back in. And yeah, it was just hard to see someone who lived through Second World War and now is leaving home country and probably never will return there. Um, I could feel the love of God. It wasn't just our own like goodness. It, it, you could feel how Christ suffers with people. You can feel it. You can feel how deep God's love is. And while he knows his... Um, there are reasons even for this war with all the atrocities that are taking place. We pray that people will turn to God and for some it will alter their eternity. For some you almost need to come to that great place of suffering where you're confused and you don't understand, where you cannot 
think of forgiveness of what's being done to your people, to your nation. There's something very special. A people turn to God. Some churches from 60 people grew to 600 people. Broken, confused, suffering, and they'll be traumatized for, for many decades. When the war is over, the internal war will continue. People will be fighting for power. But the church, where individuals decide to submit themselves to Christ, becomes the light and hope. When the refugees came from day one, we, we did not want to treat them as refugees, as people. So we tried to find jobs for them. Some older ladies, we asked, you know, if they could make vareniki or pirogi, whatever you call them here, I don't know. But, and, and our people from church after, after service would buy these and, and support them. We bought freezers so they could, you know, make lots of them and, and bring them to services. Uh, for some, we found jobs. Some people translated fairy tale books and they were published and in Ukrainian. So the kids, while well, they sit in this hotel room and they cannot go to school because we are different, you know, different language and different culture, they could read books. So many people stepped up and did different things. For people who are professionals like Marina, she has a PhD um, in art history a professor at Odessa University. That's, she came with her mom and grandma, who was 91, that I mentioned, like the oldest of the, of the group. We found her a job at the university, and she's learning Lithuanian. Uh, she's teaching online. We bought her a computer, helped her out, and like, so all these funds, they came to people like her would be devastated just by seeing the atrocities but then also losing everything you had and to go and work at the supermarket with you know so many years of education that's maybe even more painful so seeing people through the eyes of god you could feel how the holy spirit is correcting our vision sometimes we look at homeless people you know we don't see them the way god sees them you see someone with mental illness we see them broken but god sees them somehow differently and i think we need these necessary humiliations in our life we need suffering like paul seemed to willingly have gone that way when god called him he said i'll call you and i'll show you how much you'll have to suffer for my name's sake that was paul's calling and we say well thank you jesus i'm in canada or i'm in lithuania and my life is good and I don't have to suffer, no. Perhaps the suffering is not in your own life, but maybe Christ could fill our hearts and open our eyes to see the suffering that's around us. Maybe you can invite a lonely business person to be in your triad, in your small group. It doesn't have to be down and outers. It could be anybody. That's how the church works. That's, that's how we are reduced to become nothing so that Christ becomes something in us, so that it becomes actually visible in our life. And that is an adventure. That is an adventure, an exciting thing in our life.
I'll finish with this picture, not the sermon I just started. It's going to be a very long sermon. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. But I want to show you Albina. She came to our home and, and stayed with us for three months or so because her parents pushed her out because of all the rape that happens and go. And she was a student in our city, but she was the one that worked for nonprofit and we tried to get the orphans uh, out of Ukraine through her. She had a friend, his name, Artem. The war started, the mom and died of Artem, of Artem. mom and dad died. And then, um, then he was lost in action in Mariupol when it was surrounded. So the grandma, when she found out about it, she had a heart attack and died. And then a few months later, Artom had so many stories, we were praying for him. From day one in our church, we decided we'll pray every night at nine o'clock on Zoom until the war is over. And it's been over 500 days we've been praying. And we were praying for him. And yet all these stories he would tell, like Russian soldiers would come in trenches and and shine torch right at him and couldn't see him. He was praying. There's so many stories and we thought, oh, we want him to live and to tell all these stories of God providing and protecting. But he was killed in Kharkiv, saving a civilian girl. And then his sister, who was 18, committed a suicide the following month. Was, he was a soldier, I think 19 or 20, and, um, but then his whole family is gone except for the girlfriend. So the, the devastation is tremendous. And um, sometimes we just stand with people in pain for a little bit. Sometimes we stand with them for longer. Some become friends for life. But in all of this, Jesus is Lord. When we don't understand things, he's working in our hearts, he's working in people's hearts. Even in the first days of the war, I remember my wife and I, we, our, our oldest son is turning 21 soon, but there was this young boy uh, that was uh, a Russian boy who was captured and became prisoner of war. He was in a tank and uh, they, the Ukrainians were filming him and he was just so scared, crying almost. And what's your name? Where were you serving? Who was your commander? And he's all shaking. And I remember my wife and I, we just looked and I said, he's born the same year as our son. And we just broke down and cried. And in all of this, that's so confusing. God's love is reaching there. And my prayer has been throughout this, all these days, I pray for these boys in a tank that see something through a little window that they will be praying in the trenches, praying for Ukrainians, praying for Russians, praying for this crazy network that Russia has developed in the last hundred years around the world where the evil is spread and people are given their lives to the darkness, that we would be the ones that continue praying and give our life to light. What would it be if your life, my life, 
for the rest of our life, we would say, my possessions are not mine. Jesus is Lord over my possessions. Jesus is Lord over my time. Jesus is Lord over my little heart that has so little space for other people. What if we said that? What if we meant it? What if the church became free from this world to serve this world? I want to finish with this quote that was written 500 years ago by Ignatius Loyola. It's called The Principle and Foundation. God created human beings to praise, reverence, and serve God, and by doing this, find their salvation. God created all other things on this face of the earth to help fulfill this purpose. From this it follows that we are to use the things of this world only to the extent that they help us to this end, and we ought to rid ourselves of the things of this world to the extent that they get in the way of this end. For this it is necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things as much as we are able to, so that we do not necessarily want health rather than sickness, riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, a long rather than a short life, and so in all the rest, so that we ultimately desire and choose only what is most conducive for us to the end for which God created us. To our natural man, to our old self, this is a death sentence, scary words. Yet for that new man for which Paul labored to present everyone in Christ, mature, your 5.0 version, whatever you are meant to be, this is the way of salvation. Not that we save ourselves by good works, but we complete that salvation or make it visible in us when we give ourselves over to his ways. So we become indifferent to all the created things in this world. To serve for the purpose that we are created for, to praise him, worship him and serve him. So in a comfortable Western world where we have all the comforts, our calling is still the same. We are still called to become that version that we are meant to be. And would you be willing to spend a few minutes in silence before God and consider what would it mean for you and ask the Holy Spirit, perhaps he has an invitation for you where you could extend that love of God in your life. For some it might be that you need to give away what you have. You don't need when you die. A lot of stuff that you have, maybe it shouldn't be put to use. Maybe we should all end up not with mountains of possessions, but giving it all away before we die. I know that's not the Western way. I know that in Lithuania we think similarly. You accumulate, accumulate, and then leave it for the kids who take it to the goodwill or <laughs> whatever. 
But what would it mean, like, if we follow Jesus and we would respond to his love adequately? Because he loves you so much, like no one has done more for you than he did. No one has gone that far like he did. He is above you, below you, on your right and your left. He's inside of you. His love is never-ending. He loves you so deeply. You're not a disappointment. He sees that other version. He wants the best for you. And he's inviting us. So Holy Spirit, through grace, as a gift, take us to places where we need to be. And Holy Spirit, would you enlarge our hearts? Let us ask God, maybe he has an invitation. Some place he wants to take us for his name's sake, that we would experience the freedom being in this world, but not of this world. Father, you're so good to us. You're so good. Make us, mold us into Christ-likeness. Allow us to experience these necessary humiliations or suffering so that we could become what you created us to be all through your grace and because of your mercy we are so weak morally we are so weak our flesh is weak give us strength holy spirit i pray for all of our friends some of them might be just leading us in the same old way and we know that we are just the average of our five closest friends. Father, give us friends that are desiring of you more than we are. Make us into friends to those around us that we would love you with our mind, our soul. Take us to new places, Holy Spirit. We pray for the church globally, that the church would be drawn to you only because of your grace. Father, you can mold us into something new for us that we have not experienced. Take us to those places. We ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.